Hello and thanks for joining us on Search for Truth. This is your Bible teaching program with Brian Johnston. Uh, thanks too for your interest in these radio talks. Today Brian continues answering listeners' questions with the question, What is blasphemy against the Holy Spirit? Now, there's no booklet to accompany this series, but as Brian responds to each new question, you might recognise it as one that uh, you asked. And if you do, then please write in and tell us whether or not Brian's answer has uh, been helpful. Only two more questions remain after today's programme. Can we really be sure of salvation? And is there a Christian way to find a marriage partner? Questions from a listener in Essex and another in Nigeria, respectively. But now, let's ask Brian to answer our question for today. A listener a long way from the United Kingdom asks, What is blasphemy against the Holy Spirit? So, Brian, tell us, please. Right, John, I'll do my best. But perhaps I should say, as you've hinted, that this piece of correspondence which we've received at Search for Truth says, Hi, greetings from Indonesia. Let me tell you that I regularly receive your booklets. Thank you very much. I enjoy reading your booklets. When reading the Bible, the book of Luke, chapter 12, 9 to verse 10, I find that I really do not understand the statement, but he who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit, it shall not be forgiven. What kind of act is this? Our listener asks. Can you give me an example of this kind of action in our daily life? Why is it that to blaspheme against the Holy Spirit cannot be forgiven? Please help answer my questions. Well, I would have to say that I've had conversations over many years with believers in the Lord Jesus who were in a terribly distressed state because they believed that they'd committed this unforgivable sin. I've no doubt this is a diabolical tactic of our adversary to paralyse a Christian's life of service. In answering our Indonesian listeners' questions, we'll affirm again that such an act cannot be performed today and we'll do that by defining in context exactly what this sin is, which the Lord singles out so dramatically. So let's get down to the scriptures. Three of the four gospel accounts contain a reference to the statement made by Jesus concerning blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. These three passages read as follows. Therefore I say to you, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven men, but the blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven men. Anyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man, it will be forgiven him, but whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit, it will not be forgiven him, either in this age or in the age to come. That's Matthew's account, chapter 12. Then again, assuredly, I say to you, all sins will be forgiven the sons of men, and whatever blasphemies they may utter, but he who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness, but is subject to eternal condemnation because they said he has an unclean spirit. That's Mark's recorded version in chapter 3. And then again, and anyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man, it will be forgiven him, but to him who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit, it will not be forgiven. So we have it in Luke chapter 12. Each of these references to the statement made by Jesus verifies that Jesus did clearly state that there is a specific sin that will not be forgiven. The American Standard Version describes the sin as an eternal sin in Mark 3.29. Jesus defined that sin as the blasphemy against the Spirit. What then is blasphemy against the Spirit? 
In order to explain this sin fully, a look at the general context of the statement is vital. Matthew's account offers the most detail concerning the setting in which Jesus' statement was made. In Matthew 12 and verse 22, the text indicates that a certain man who was demon-possessed was brought to Jesus to be healed. As was his common practice, Jesus cast out the unclean spirit and healed the man of his blindness and inability to speak. After seeing this display of power, the multitudes that followed Jesus asked, Could this be the son of David? On hearing this remark, the Pharisees, the religious leaders, wanting to discredit the source from which Jesus received his power, declared that Jesus was casting out demons by Beelzebub, the ruler of demons. Jesus proceeded to explain that a kingdom divided against itself could not stand, and if he were casting out demons by the power of demons, then he would be defeating himself. It was after this accusation by the Pharisees and Jesus' defence of his actions that Christ commented concerning the blasphemy against the Spirit. In fact, the text of Mark clearly states that Jesus made the comment about the blasphemy against the Spirit because they said he has an unclean spirit. Another critical piece of information needed to clarify Jesus' statement is the definition of blasphemy. Someone has written, Blasphemy is an anglicised form of the Greek term blasphemia, which scholars believe probably derives from two roots, blapto, to injure, and feme, to speak. The word would thus suggest injurious speech. An article concerning blasphemy against the spirit informs us the word blasphemy in its various forms appears some 59 times in the New Testament. It has a variety of renderings, such as blasphemy, reviled, railed, evil spoken of, to speak evil of, etc. So the working definition of blasphemy is to speak against or speak evil of. Therefore, it's easy to rule out several sins that wouldn't qualify as candidates for being this sin. Jesus said that blasphemy against the Spirit would not be forgiven in this age or in the age to come. It's been suggested by several writers that the age to come discussed by Jesus refers to the Christian age. According to this idea, Jesus made the statement in the Jewish age, when the law of Moses was in effect, and the age to come denoted the Christian age immediately following, when the law of Christ would prevail. Putting this meaning to the phrase often leads the advocates of this theory to conclude that the unpardonable sin could be committed in the Christian age after the resurrection of Jesus. The argument runs like this. Since our Lord was speaking while the Jewish age was in existence, he was affirming that the blasphemy against the Holy Spirit would not be forgiven in A, the Jewish age, nor in B, the Christian age that followed. Another, taking the same view, concludes, it follows that this sin, therefore, could be committed during the personal ministry of Christ and was then committed, as we have seen, and could also be committed during the Gospel Age. They could have attributed the works of the Spirit to Satan after Pentecost, the same as before. However, Mark's account of the unpardonable sin describes the sin as an eternal sin. 
The translators of the New King James Version recorded that the person who commits the sin never has forgiveness, but is subject to eternal condemnation. Mark's account, with its emphasis on eternity, shows that the phrase simply is meant to underscore the fact that this sin will absolutely never be forgiven. It is incorrect, then, to use the phrase in the age to come to refer to the Christian age. The best explanation is that the expression simply means that the indicated sin will never be forgiven. As we noted earlier, blasphemy against the Holy Spirit is the only sin in the Bible that's given the status of being unpardonable or eternal. In fact, Jesus prefaced his discussion of this sin by stating that every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven men except for blasphemy against the Spirit. Using the working definition of blasphemy as speaking evil of, it becomes clear that the sin described by Jesus was a tongue sin, we might say, a sin of the tongue, and that the Pharisees had committed it, or at least were dangerously close to committing it. What had the Pharisees done that would have put them in jeopardy of committing the unpardonable sin? According to his own testimony, during Jesus' time on this earth, he cast out demons by the Spirit of God. When the Pharisees saw that Jesus had performed a verifiable miracle, they couldn't argue with the fact that Christ possessed certain powers that others, including themselves, didn't have. Therefore, in order to cast suspicion on the ministry of Jesus, they claimed that he was casting out demons by Beelzebub, the ruler of demons. The name Beelzebub is simply another name for Satan as can be seen from Jesus' own use of the term when referring to Satan in Matthew chapter 12 and verse 26 and 27. Even when faced by the miraculous working of the Holy Spirit through Jesus, the Pharisees were, in essence, attributing Jesus' power to Satan. It is this and nothing else that our Lord calls the blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. To answer another of our listeners' questions, this is why it was so serious that it was unforgivable. It was as if they knew Jesus was the Messiah, but standing face to face with him and confronted with his confirming works, they chose rather to suppress the truth in unrighteousness and reject him and revile the Spirit of God while doing so. It's clear that blasphemy against the Spirit was a definite, singular sin which could only be committed during the life of Jesus. The leaders of Israel committed the unpardonable sin, which was attributing to Satan that which was properly the work of the Holy Spirit. No one, I judge, can commit that today. Thanks for answering our question uh, so fully, Brian. 
And if that questioner is listening now in Indonesia, then will you please let us know if Brian's talk's been helpful to you or not? And now for some listeners, these answers may raise more questions. And if that's the case for you, and uh, if you've any comments or useful additions to uh, things to add, then we'd love to hear from you. But uh, now, so you can write in, I'll give you our postal and email address. Search for Truth, P.O. Box 70115, Chilomani, Blantyre, Malawi. And here's our email address, sft at churchesofgod.info. Now, there is no booklet for this series on listeners' questions, but you can still access uh, many talks and booklets for subjects and studies which we've previously uh, presented on air at uh, Search for Truth. Uh, so you can still uh, have the opportunity to enjoy these at your leisure. Uh, each week, I'll remind you of different ways to obtain them. And one of the ways you can listen again is by audio podcast versions of many past programmes. Uh, go on your computer to uh, com, and you can browse the list of previous talks, which has been sorted into categories to assist you to find what you're looking for. You might also be interested to know that at least 40 different titles of Search for Truth transcript booklets have been turned into e-books and are available at amazon.co.uk kindle hyphen e-books. Just type Search for Truth series into the search box and they will appear. Many thanks for the pleasure of your company today. That's all we have for now. Next week, Brian tackles the question, can we really be sure of salvation? So, if you want to know and be sure, then please join us again. Until then, very best wishes from Brian, our Bible teacher, David, our studio technician, our singers and me, John. So goodbye and may God richly bless you. Yeah.